friends and enemies. It's episode 197 of This Machine Kills. I'm Jathan, joined by Ed and producer Jeremy, as always. You know, we were traveling for, like, pre- like I was traveling for all of September. We were doing a lot of traveling, right? So there are some things that we want to talk about that kind of slipped through the crack, because, you know, we, we had other stuff on our mind, you know, we were releasing pre-recorded episodes and stuff like that. And so... But now it's time to do a little catch up. About a month ago, there was a a, a story I you know we all really wanted to talk about, and you know it, it's it's worth getting into. It's still very relevant now. Um, you know, tech inquiry, right? So, tech inquiry for people who don't know, just excellent organization founded by uh, you know tech whistleblowers right so it's, you know Jack Paulson's the executive director of tech inquiry and he was for a long time a, a top research scientist at Google and then became a whistleblower um, around especially around like Google's contracting with military uh, and and you know things like that that are very you know just unconscionable right like the kinds of things that people don't don't go to Google to work on military contracts and so he came a whistleblower left the company um, helped start Tech Inquiry which does some of the absolutely best investigative reporting digging deep into the procurement contracts and relationships, partnerships, projects between big tech and the military, the intelligence community, um, government more generally, uh, you know, especially looking at relationships between building, you know, AI systems for, you know, like big tech companies, Google, Alphabet, Amazon, Facebook, um, as well as smaller ones, uh, smaller companies, you know, building these AI systems like, you know, the infamous Project Maven, um, the lesser known uh, Project Nimbus, right? A lot of these are AI systems, enterprise systems, data systems for uh, the experience Bless the explicit purpose of uh, contributing to and building towards uh, military um, goals and purposes and missions and stuff like that, right? And so Tech Inquiry does some of the absolutely best investigative reporting around this. They get deep into the FOIA, uh, you know, they get deep into the the heady, complex, uh, you know, highly technical, highly legalistic kind of uh, documents around these procurement contracts and relationships, you know, things that are intentionally obscured because you don't want people poking around in them, you know? And Tech Inquiry does a lot to pull that to the surface, provide a lot of this data uh, to for the public, making it transparent, whole, you know, uh, uh, providing information necessary to hold big tech to account for these kinds of relationships. At any rate, so that's a little background on Tech Inquiry. Fast forward, uh, you know, a month ago, and there was a, a, a very interesting controversy around a report that Tech Inquiry had been working on for the the better part of a year, 
right? Um, working on what ended up becoming a, a 150 page report. And now I'm, I'm quoting from a post here from Jack Paulson on the Tech Inquiry website. Um, the, the, the title of this post is On the Censorship of Our Report on Government Purchasing from Microsoft, Amazon, and Alphabet. So that gives you a little hint here that, you know, Tech Inquiry spent about a year doing a lot of reporting, a lot of investigation into, uh, you know, as they put, you know, combining thousands of international government contracting records with bid protest decisions, reporting on multi-billion dollar classified contracts and tax filings to better understand and contextualize the relationships tech giants have with the United States and its closest allies. And as I said, you know, we would love to share this report with you, but both of the funders censored it, each for a different reason. So, you know, we'll, we'll get into this story, into this controversy, because I think it, it, it's, it, it is itself somewhat complex, but also a lot more, a lot more simplistic than it might seem around, you know, how, how this report got got censored, how you know the, uh, the tech inquiries funders you know pulled the plug on this report, and you know the who those funders are, right? You know, it's it, this was not a report being funded in some like kind of you know oppo research style of like you know Facebook was secretly funding this report to shine a bad light on its you know uh, on Amazon and Alphabet. Uh, or whatever, right? It wasn't that kind of, you know, shadowy, uh, you know, it's not like Tech Inquiry was being secretly or unwittingly used as a cudgel uh, by, you know, one tech giant against others, and then they, they got cold feet and pulled the... You know, it wasn't anything like that. It was instead that this report was being funded by... Uh, uh, the an international network of unions called UNI Global Union, which pitched them last year on documenting international government cloud contracts. So this report came in part from uh, a, a network of unions, UNI, coming to Tech Inquiry and pitching them on this project. Right, saying, "Hey, we'll pay you if you if you do some investigation into these government cloud contracts." It goes on while you and I would officially run the project, as as Jack Paulson writes in the in his report uh, uh, blog post. Um, the funding would come from Friedrich, Friedrich Ebert Stiftung, a nonprofit arm of the Social Democratic Party of Germany, the SPD. And so this is suddenly starting to, to to seem a little strange, right? Why would seemingly two friends uh, of the uh, of the left? Um, why would, you know, these, uh, you know, uh, two organizations, right, a, a very large international union and a, uh, the nonprofit arm of a very large uh, social democratic political party, right? Why would they um, get cold feet? Why would they, you know, as, as Paulson puts it, censor this report? Um, you know, why would they uh, deny the release of the report? And I don't know. I mean, we'll get into the into the the, the details of it further, but all I gotta say is it, it's it's a, it's a very strange thing that's happening here, right? In terms of uh, why why these two organizations would would suddenly tell Tech Inquiry they cannot release this report, um, which is also, I mean, very foolish as well to tell an organization created by whistleblowers um, that you cannot do something uh, based on, uh, you know, this like a year of investigation into, into, you know, these government contracts with big tech and stuff. And then to be like, sorry, you can't do that. You got to keep it quiet. Like to think that that's going to happen is, is also yeah. very foolish on the part of these organizations. It is a bit silly. What did they think? Jack and his team were going to do <laughs> sit on it. You know, listen to the year got of reported work. on. Yeah. The just a year of work down the drain and be like, Oh, Oh, well, well so it goes. And you know, you have a point. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, um, you know, building off what, um, you know, we've been talking through, you know, Jack's post. So he's talking about how, you know, these funders, 
you know, they have a certain interest, which is largely Amazon. And they're saying, okay, well, like, you, you know, you guys can expand it if you want, but we're focused on Amazon. Okay. Um, so they, you know, the plan was let's include other tech giants uh, because that helps us flesh out a more cogent and insightful analysis of, of what, you know, any individual tech corporation is doing. If we look at the industry, you know, that's a pretty sound analysis and tech inquiry has been doing great work for that in that direction for years. Right. So, you know, in what he calls the you know perfect storm, he's, you know, he sets the scene, right? It's this year when Microsoft announces a labor neutrality agreement with the CWA, the Communications Workers of America, right? Now, the CWA has this effort. It's called Code CWA, Campaign to Organize Digital Employees. Uh, by far, probably the most, not even probably, by far the, the most successful organizing effort targeting digital workers, right? It's it's organized uh, shops and teams and, and workers at so many uh, corporations already, uh, covering tens of thousands of employees, right? I moderated a panel uh, discussion with them uh, maybe two months ago in Pittsburgh at, uh, Net, at Netroots, I think. And so... As as uh, Jack details in the in the post, right, the announcement says, "quote The foundation of the agreement is a commitment to mutual respect and open communication." Now, uh, as they're finishing the report, their executive director gets a call from a UNI official, Jack writes, uh, claiming that it would be a political problem if Microsoft was in the in the headline, and that because of the neutrality agreement, um, Microsoft was quote a friend of the labor movement. And then they had another phone call, which elaborated that, okay, look, the CWA is an affiliate of the UNI. The UNI helps, and UNI salaries are helped paid for by CWA, and that critiques of Microsoft could lead to UNI employees being fired. Tech Inquiry said, well, you know, we're not going to undermine our analysis to protect Microsoft, even if that, you know, you're arguing that such a move would prevent the UNI employees from being fired. Gave them the full analysis at the end of August. Uh, UNI, FES, you know, the FES being the funder that's connected to the SPD, um, said, okay, we want a pre-publication review. Then they, uh, UNI delayed it and said that both organizations, quote, demanded that their funding be hidden from the final report unless it underwent modification. UNI's demands were clear. Either remove all material except the critique of Amazon or hide UNI's funding. It was suggested that Tech Inquiry wait six months before publishing its analysis of Microsoft and Google. FES's concerns were different and would be interesting. Um, Quote, a tech inquiries report made reference to billion-dollar cloud contracts with the Central Intelligence Agency and the Israel Defense Forces. During the last year, tech inquiries research into Israeli procurement from American tech giants led to our discovery of Google's training materials for its component of the $1.2 billion Nimbus contract with the Israeli government, which included explicit reference to the Israeli Ministry of Defense. This discovery led to the intercept elucidating the scope of Google's Nimbus contract. Ultimately, tech inquiry was informed that both the U.S. U.S. and Israel offices of FES had demanded dissociation from the report. And so the problem that emerges, obviously, Tech Inquiry, you know, believes in the tech worker organizing and holding these industries uh, accountable. And that one of the key ways to do that is by having democratic workplaces that can provide checks on companies pursuing immoral projects like drones and cloud computing for military contractors and so on and so forth. They work, and you know, as they're right, they worked with UNI because that you know UNI is exempl uh, exemplatory, right, of this grassroots worker power um, that w prioritizes labor organizing as opposed to autocratic top-down management, right. What you end up happening here is you know this really powerful tech labor union, a really successful one, helping to kind of you know, suggest or water down the analysis and suppress the critique of um, massive tech companies that are anti-union ones. And so after this, they write, you know, Tech Inquiry has one less board member than it had before the news broke. We have worked hard to stay supportive of tech labor organizing while remaining neutral on CWA itself. Tech labor ecosystem is hotly divided on the question of whether it is acceptable to publicly critique even the problematic actions of major unions. A tech inquiry was forced to choose between subverting its tech accountability mission or being cut off from a large fraction of the tech labor movement. We chose not to hide either Microsoft's secretive influence on labor unions or our biggest source ever, source of funding. Our overall year-long contract with UNI and FES was for $49,000, and we have received a similar overall amount of individual donations. This is um, 
you know, at the end of the day, it's pretty clear what's going on here, right? That's they were told, you know, more or less drop the criticism of these companies, but these are companies that are involved in apartheid. These are companies that are involved in, um, you know, aggression and military and militarism, right? And these are country uh, companies that are in, invested in exploitation and expropriation. Um, it wouldn't make sense for a comp- you know for a group like Tech Inquiry to water down their analysis, especially when you know these companies are so powerful and already have most of the the battleground you know tilted towards them. Um, and I think that's you know that analysis is correct, right? Um, yeah, it, it it shines a light on how you know uncomfortable positions we're in right now, right? With these neutrality agreements that have allowed CWA's organizing campaigns to push forward without the really uh, endless coffers available to these corporations for specifically Microsoft for union busting, right? But at the same time, is it worth it if you have to be silent on how they are powering apartheid uh, at Google or how they're powering police departments? Um, or connecting with uh, police departments and military uh, uh, military you know, sectors in the United States and across the world. Uh, and I, you know, I agree with Jack. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, what really rubs me the wrong way on this is the the way in which you and I, and uh, you know, by extension CWA, right? The the, the you know you and I, the, the network of unions and CWA, the Communication Workers of America, uh, the the way that they you know, take a a labor neutrality agreement, which, you know, with Microsoft, which should be understood as like a a kind of a non-aggression, a a peace treaty uh, between Microsoft and the unions, right? Where it's like, you know, Microsoft will not actively uh, impede the ability the ability or efforts for CWA to try to do some uh, organizing at particularly at Activision. This is what it really boils down to, right? Organizing work, you know, the, through the gamers, workers, and uh, the gamer worker alliance um, uh, at Activision. And so <clears throat> this neutrality agreement is essentially Microsoft saying, we won't actively stand in the way of you trying to organize. And in return, uh, you can't... Uh, talk badly about us, right? Like you can't uh, actively impede our interest or smear us or, or, or anything like that. That's not the same thing as Microsoft being, as the CWA puts, uh, 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 official put it, you'll quote, a friend of labor, right? That is not the same thing at all. And the, you know, th- this is really quite absurd to try to see a lab- this neutrality agreement that Microsoft and CWA have as, uh, and then twist that into Microsoft being a friend of the labor movement what are you talking about right like that is that really rubs me the wrong way and it it starts making me question either the ability of these CW, these union officials at CWA to understand the landscape here the political economy here the power dynamics here and it makes me question what their interests are and what time, what horizon of interest, you know, is, you know, is it short term self interest that they're acting in here? Um, you know, it, it, it's because we, if we go on, so the intercept provided more reporting about this. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, Jack Paulson at the, end of his article in the Tech Inquiry website, you know, has a note, right? Note, The Intercept published a leaked copy of our report. So the report is out there, right? Also extremely foolish uh, that that the, the um, you and I and the uh, FES thought that they could like, you know, be like, don't, don't release this report with our name on it or don't release it with talking about Microsoft or release it uh, in this, in such a way that it distances us from it and stuff. Uh, also very foolish to think that this, this, re- this report in full would not somehow be, um, leaked, uh, you know, to, to a place like the intercept. Um, and so the, the, so the intercept has a longer, 
article with a bit more detail than what Jack provided in his article um, about some of the uh, communications between Jack and um, the, the, the UNI, CWA, and FES, um, as well as a link to the full, the full article uh, or the full report. Um, and, and in this, you know, in intercept article, which I, you know, I will, I will, I have to say is unfortunately written by Lee Fong. <laughs> Folks, we hate to see it. We hate to see it. Um, but it is a good article and it provides a lot of, uh, a lot of details here, um, as well. Although Lee's, uh, uh, anti-union bent does kind of come out <laughs> a little bit through it. Anyways, um, <laughs> But in this, so we'll just talk about the the quotes from the officials um, that provide a bit more context as well between how this whole thing went down. A UNI official is quoted as telling Tech Inquiry, uh, quote, because Microsoft came out and did what they did in terms of respecting workers' rights to organize, we do not, we cannot be associated with this paper and its release, right? So uh, CWA and UNI both said that CWA did not have any uh, knowledge of the report prior to publication and, quote, the uh, a spokesperson for UNI said in a statement, the UNI staff person quoted by the publication did not make this decision regarding this research and was not speaking on behalf of the organization. UNI said it killed this report because, quote, it determined it was unhelpful to publish the research product as presented because it was not useful to our ongoing global effort to hold Amazon accountable, which also is extremely telling here that Amazon has become this boogeyman and you know amazon is exceedingly powerful and influential and does a lot of exceedingly terrible and horrendous things but the way that amazon has become treated as this exception in the in the tech landscape as this boogeyman right where it's like everyone's efforts are 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 focused on taking down amazon what we see here is proof that that comes with opportunity costs where people are no longer willing quite explicitly to go after other tech giants. Instead, they all focus their efforts on Amazon, notwithstanding the fact that Alphabet, Microsoft, uh, you know, Facebook, all these other companies are doing things that are equally, if not differently, um, and oftentimes in the same exact way, horrible, right? And evil and awful in the world. Uh, and and the, 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 the sole laser-eyed focus on Amazon really has benefited a lot of the other tech giants quite explicitly here. We now have proof that Microsoft is being, that CWA is running interference on behalf of Microsoft, uh, right? To, uh, because they, and instead saying, we only care about focusing on Amazon. Now, a UNI official is quoted in the intercept here as, as well as saying, quote, and this is uh, to tech inquiry, a UNI official is saying, quote, I really don't want to evoke the contract language and bury this paper. Like, I feel like that would be fucked up and a disservice to the world. But by the same token, there's just, we cannot let you have our name in this document and jeopardize our relationship with CWA, CWA's relationship with Microsoft, the Activision workers' rights to organize, my job, like it's just too much. It's too much. It will never stand. I will be fired. The uh, UNI official added, quote, our affiliates, they pay a portion of my salary. We have a financial relationship with CWA. They are one of our members. So here again, this is really throwing a lot, like, like they know what they're doing here, right? And they know that it's not only uh, wrong in this individual respect of what they're doing, they also know it's, quote, unquote, a disservice to the world. But they still go ahead and say, we got to pull this paper. And they do so in such a, uh, uh, like, hey, man, like, hey, we're friends, right? But I, but there is a contract, and I hate to evoke the contract, but, you know, uh, I'm going to, right? Like, like, they do it in a way that seems so 
so bizarre. It's just, just bizarre is the word for it. And the, the continual emphasis here that you and I puts on uh, CWA, on the financial relationship CW, it has with CWA, on the potential financial windfall that CWA could have by organizing more members at, or, or more people at Microsoft, the way that the union itself is framing this, not in terms of building workers' power, but instead, quote-unquote, threatening CWA's relationship with Microsoft. You don't have a relationship with Microsoft. You have an antagonism with Microsoft. Microsoft is not your friend. Microsoft is not a friend of the labor movement, right? It, th this is, it's, it's really, uh, again, very strange. And here we also have a UNI official saying, the intercept writes, the labor union official offered an apology to Tech Inquiry for, press, uh, for pressing for the completion of the investigative project only to then censor it just prior to release. An official said, quote, no one could have predicted Microsoft would become, seek to become a pro-union employer. Like that would have been like flying pigs, you know? I never would have predicted that. You never would have predicted that because that's not what fucking happened. <laughs> Microsoft is not a pro-union employer. Microsoft is not a friend of the labor movement. CWA does not have a relationship with Microsoft. These are all direct quotes from the way in which the union officials are talking about this relationship with Microsoft. It sounds like Microsoft management is writing what this, the union officials are saying. It, it, it really is blowing my mind. And it's, it, 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 it pisses me off. It pisses me off because this is real. This is a, a classic like unions becoming friends with management over be and losing sight of their main purpose, which is to build long-term and lasting worker power, not to build short-term relationships with capital, not to increase the, uh, the, the number of dues it collects from members, not these self-interested short-term myopic goals. Instead, it is instead always a about building a mass movement, building worker power, and building long-term sustainable uh, you know, uh, antagonisms to capital. And it, that is the complete opposite that all of these quotes from these union officials uh, reveal as being the case. And it's, it's really, really quite absurd. absurd. You know, we've talked about this, and I, you know, we're not the only ones to talk about this. A lot of analysis of tech does suffer from forgetting, you know, who we are dealing with. Right? We're not dealing with like a traditional workplace or a traditional group of capitalists. Like we're dealing with a sector that, you know, we emphasize looking at it materially and not viewing and not invoking God or sort sort of spiritual or transhistorical narratives about it. But like this is an industry that uh, sits at the intersection of like really complex geopolitics has long history in this country and its connections to various industries and regions and political machines. Um, and also has its own set of interests, its own relationship with the economy and with financiers and with the public at large. It is a bit silly to think you're going to take advantage of a short term relationship that they have with them when, you know, um, at the end of the day, it's antithetical to their interests. I mean, just step back. And as they say in the, in, you know, as they kind of point out in the next section, I mean, just think about it. The, these companies are moving in directions where they're focusing heavily on contracts with the government um, that are for creating cloud databases for infrastructure, um, for military infrastructure, or creating cloud projects for consolidating data that is uh, that these uh, research you know, divisions in the, in the, in the military have, or for helping store data or, you know, train, uh, algorithms that they're using or, you know, better in one way or another power, digital tools and weapons of the future, right? Why would you want any of that to be touched by workplaces that are democratic, right? You wouldn't long-term a democratic workplace is antithetical to a workplace that is building, 
computational infrastructure for machinery of war, right? Um, people who, at these companies, I would hope, are not warmongers, not bloodthirsty sycophants, right? I mean, they're they're not going to cheerlead for wars. And a lot of the times, the stuff that they're building is also to do particularly horrendous stuff in war. You know, the targeted assassinations or the sabotages or the crippling of economies is done best with a lot of these digital tools. You, you don't want a workplace that falls that can be swayed by like rhetoric and moral arguments and and basic appeals to humanity to be dealing with more and more and more of your military, right? So and to, so just like on a long term scale, these people are not idiots and they understand that, right? If you're going to be dealing with the government and if you're going to be dealing with military contract just contracts and if you're going to be dealing with digital tools on the on the uh, on the battlefield, right? And I say battlefield loosely because it's like also a huge chunk of this grift is just making the tools and saying on some future battlefield you're going to need them. Then yeah, you might have an agreement short term a year, five years, 10 years, it doesn't really matter to have some sort of neutrality, but you're always going to have enough resources to crush it when the time, when the time comes. Right. And so the question is like, do you, do, 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 you know, if you are someone who might advocate for honoring the neutrality and saying like, let's water down analysis and that maybe we can develop a strong enough contingent to check them when, um, when they finally do, I mean, like, are you like, if we're watering down the analysis that informs people and lets them understand what the moral stakes are, then, you know, yeah, galvanize those hundreds, tens of thousands of workers and those hundreds of thousands of workers. Are you going to galvanize them to stop moral projects if the analysis was watered down and has been watered down for the sake of organizing them in the first place? I mean, to what end are we organizing these people? We're organizing them not just so they can have better workplaces, I hope, right? But also so that, like, their work is not hurting other people, right? And so the question is, like, do you just want to organize or, you know, is the concern here, is the only interest here just ensuring that there are better living standards for the workers and a little bit more control of their work? Sure, that's a nice goal. But also, like, these are companies that are sitting in a unique position to do harm and enthusiastically do harm to other people and to people in this country. The goal would be to galvanize them, so, you know, with some sort of critical understanding of what the industry does and, a mor- and a, you know, a moral argument against it. And you're not going to do that if you're shutting down reports that criticize funders, frankly, right? So I think that's also another thing, right? Where, you know, as, as Jack said in his post, the Tech Accountability Project um, or the Tech Accountability Mission and the Tech Organizing Mission, you know, are two very important things. And in this situation, maybe they didn't immediately mash and sit with one another. But that has to, you know, that's going to happen. And that has to, that you can't, like, you, we cannot just be simply say we just need to, like, galvanize or organize them for the sake of having a workplace, right? You can have democratic workplaces, and it doesn't really matter if the residue of the, or if the cultural residue in that place or if the morals or the values of that place are lending themselves towards militarism, towards apartheid, towards expo- uh, you know exploitation, expropriation, uh, which is what's going to happen if we don't constantly hammer on the point that these people, these companies, these business models are premised on we can do deeply immoral things for, you know, deeply profitable in deeply profitable ways. And that's a big problem. And I, and, 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 you know, maybe you might be able to get away with that in other industries, right? Where they don't have these international links, these tight international links. It feels really fucking flimsy and fishy to hear that sort of argument deployed in, in, uh, in defense of Microsoft or Google, you know, um, when we can we can directly point to a harm they're doing and say the more people who know about this, you know, even if we don't have the whole workforce organized, the more people who know about it, the harder we can make it for them to actually do the deal. Right. As opposed to organizing all these people now or over the next few years and then trying to uh, get them on board with uh with the with the antagonist mission of of disrupting these projects in the first place i don't know it just feels to me the former is easier than the latter yeah these people are not our friends like we just have to constantly repeat that and i i know that there are good people in 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 the cwa right like you know in the in the union itself and then the organ you know members workers uh union officials i know there are good people there But also the CWA, this is not the first time they've done something really bizarre like this that seems to be linking them with the interest of capital over the interest of workers um, or the general public. This is not the first time they've done something like this, right? They have a history of doing things like 
Um, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the Intercept reports after releasing its neutrality agreement to CWA, Microsoft gained a new ally in its bid for regulatory approval of the merger with Activision, one of the largest gaming companies in the world. And, you know, this past June, Christopher Shelton, the president of CWA, sent a letter to the Federal Trade Commission members requesting that the agency not use antitrust law to prevent Microsoft's acquisition. Uh, the, the, the Shelton's letter uh, says, quote, we now support approval of the transaction before you because Microsoft has entered an agreement with CWA to ensure the workers of Activision Blizzard have a clear path to collective bargaining. CWA has, has done similar things, right? It's also uh, it lobbied in favor of AT&T's attempted merger with T-Mobile in 2011. Um, and while that acquisition was abandoned by the Justice Department uh, or, or in face of opposition from the Justice Department's antitrust attorneys, right, it's yet another example of CWA lobbying in favor of consolidation and monopolization in terms of uh, acqui you know, uh, lobbying against antitrust regulation of these massive acquisitions it, because because they they say you know if Activision joins Microsoft then Activ you know Microsoft has said that Activision workers can you know have a quote unquote clear path to collective bargaining or something similar right if if AT&T merges with T-Mobile well you know that that means that you know, that, that benefits CWA because it means more people can be part of that union, right? Like, again, to me, this is short-sighted. This is myopic. It's not understanding that, uh, as we have talked about extensively on this podcast, that uh, monopoly is fundamentally anti-worker, right? And it, it is, you know, these massive acquisitions and consolidations that concentrate capital's power do so on the back of the the economy, right? By uh, and do so on uh, at the sake of uh, worker power, right? Like it again seems extremely myopic to me to 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 lobby in favor of these monopolizations and acquisitions and so on um, for that for for the reason that. Uh, Microsoft claims that they will be friendly towards CWA's efforts at Activision. We have to say, of course, you know, and this is something that Jack says in his article as well, is that these kinds of criticisms of, of, uh, of unions, right, especially one that, as we have said, has been extremely successful in terms of organizing, you know, tech workers, right? These kinds of criticisms of an international network of unions like you and I, a, a successful tech worker union like CWA, as well as these criticisms of a, a very large and influential social democratic political party, um, right? They come off as, uh, or they, could e they can easily be construed as anti-union, uh, anti worker, anti-left, uh, you know, in other words, kind of, you know, right-wing and conservative. And there are certainly ways to do these criticisms uh, and be, you know, uh, in a way that is anti-left, anti-union, anti-worker, pro-right, you know, reactionary, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I think long-term listen, long-time listeners of TMK, fans of TMK will know that that is absolutely not the uh, position that that we that we take here. But uh, it is something that I know Jack has been facing up against. You know, we we mentioned it at the the earlier in the episode that Tech Inquiry has one less board member because these things are off these kind of criticisms are often smeared as anti-union or construed as such right and maybe there are new listeners of tmk check you know checking out the podcast and thinking oh wow these tmk guys seem extremely uh anti-union um and and i think that what what we have to recognize is we need to look at the actual actions of some of, of particular unions here and say, you know, are they actually le uh, contributing to the, uh, our principles, our values, our goals, right. In a larger sense, um, you know, or are they working against them uh, in, 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 in different ways? 
And as well, I think uh, the kind of knee-jerk reaction to be like any kind of criticism of the actions of a union is therefore anti-union or anti-left comes from a, a frankly simplistic of a view of politics, uh, a kind of a style of politics that is based on a Manchian kind of hard and you know, view of the world, you know, a hard and fast rules, right? Rather than a, a an actual material analysis of uh, of the world and of what's going on and of of, of particulars, and I think that you know. There is a very strong contingent of the of the left, and and I will say, you know, the social democratic left or the democratic socialist left, uh, which tends to, uh, for better and worse, have uh, a, a, a politics that is based on um, steadfast adherence to uh, commandments, right? To to simple simplistic rules, um, and I would just simply ask that you know people who might want to uh, smear our, our discussion here is anti-union instead take a step back and say, you know, is, is CWA's actions and own statements, do they actually live up to the kind of values and goals that we should be fighting for and pursuing, or are they working against it in various ways? I mean, you know, I'm not anywhere near as much going to say that, you know, uh, not all unions are good, obviously, because the cops have a unions, right? Have a union. <laughs> like, um, I, uh, I'm not going to make that comparison with CWA and the cop unions. That's absolutely absurd to do. But there is also a long history, especially in the United States, of corporatist unions. Um, you know, and I'm looking at the AFL-CIO. You know, you know, like like there are unions that do make decisions uh, and pursue strategies that work against the the interest of workers uh, because they are building relationships with bosses, um, and that is uh, simply the fact of the matter. And there is a lot of capture. Uh, by, of unions by corporations, you know, if there's one thing that we know, it's capital uh, is is better than anything at subsuming its critics yeah. uh, and subsuming everything into itself. And and you know, to me, the CWA's actions really stink of that happening. I mean, like, look, as one example, as a personal example, I mean, I used to work uh, for IDG. I used to work for the Independent Drivers Guild. I mean, this is a union that was formed out of an agreement between drivers who were trying to strike and Uber, and they eventually left, right? Um, and the uh, International, uh, the Machinist Guild, uh, you know, which is um, part of the uh, Aeronautics Union. And you know the agreement is essentially like okay this is a this is the union that we're going to give you guys and will provide services for drivers but it you know will limit also I mean understandably Uber is offering it because this will limit and structure the type of forms of labor action that can happen limit the ability to do strikes limit the ability to organize work stoppages right that's the goal intended now when I worked there of course you have these limitations and you had a lot of people in there were obviously like, well, fuck that, right? The people I worked with, a lot of them were Marxists, a lot of them like really great organizers who had worked with other great unions before and came into the union under the belief, and this is why I got, you know, worked with them, that, you know, okay, well, even though this is the union that the company has established, we can use it from the inside to radicalize and agitate and galvanize workers. And of course, there are limitations to that, um, sadly. I mean, the direction that, that New York has taken with regards to ride-hail drivers, on the one hand, that union and its organizing were able to help pass like really transformative rules that helped preserve uh, minimum pay standards and the pay floor for drivers, and also you know vehicle cap and some other you know quality of life changes. But the city also capitulated on really major things, despite that. Right, the city decided to let Uber and Lyft operate um, or to, to put taxis on the apps, for example, and integrate them further into the system has been, you know, uh, accommodating, to say the least, of uh, the ride hail apps, right? So the question there, you know, if you look back, of course, you know, you can say after the fact, well, you know, maybe, the, you know, or maybe or, or a better way to say it is the approach of the people in the union that I worked with did yield like really good changes for people and improved people's lives and saved a lot of drivers who otherwise would have killed themselves or starved. But that the larger forces at play here still drove the industry towards um, 
the regulatory balance that Uber and Lyft wanted, which was that the city would eventually integrate them and legalize them and normalize them, right? Was there any hope that the union that I worked for would have been able to prevent that with the agreement that it had with Uber Lyft? Maybe, but it was, it was, it was a, it was a very, 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 very hard thing to, to achieve even as a dream. And it wasn't achieved. Right. So then the question you asked looking back on it was, it was it that worth it, right? Was it worth it having those people put their resources into and telling them through that organization or should they have been working outside of it? in a hostile fashion. And, you know, it's not going to be clear, you know, even in that situation, it's probably not clear, but I think that's like more or less what we're talking about here, right? Where, yeah, maybe you might be able to achieve some of those, those, uh, those aims, but is it worth it in long-term? Is it, does that make sense as the strategy here? Because long-term, if you step back and you look at it, you say, of course, they're going to allow you to do that. And they're not going to give you enough resources to do anything that will challenge what they are doing, which is making those relationships with city council members, which is ingratiating themselves into the lobbying machines, which is ingratiating themselves into the social networks, right? And ingratiating themselves into the policy frameworks. All of that happening outside of the, the, the narrow confines you're legally allowed to do because of an agreement an agreement that they constructed because it's still in line with their business model, which is um, going to undermine that agreement in five years and 10 years and 15 years. Right. I mean, and, and even here in the city is another example. We, we got that, we got that pay floor, right? Uh, Uber went to court almost immediately tried to sue it and, ba- and and get rid of it. Right. And then undermined it by doing a lockout that I wrote about where they effectively fired, you know, 15,000 drivers by freezing them out. I mean, they have all the levers and they have all the tools here. The agreements should only ever, I don't know, you know, from my experience, the agreements should only ever be seen as very, very small respites for holding patterns about where to go next. Right. Mm-hmm. Not, not anything more than that. There was never going to be um, a transformative uh, break because of those. There were going to be spaces to have them and maybe to collaborate with outside resources. But, you know, just because we have them, these people, they don't care. They're going to eat our lunch. Like they, they're, Microsoft does not give a fuck about, about a union except as an enemy, right? The goal here is how do we neutralize it and undermine it? You know, I would be hard pressed to find someone in management and in, in Amazon that truly believes unions are good for anything other than a headache. And similarly, I, the same is true at Uber and Lyft. Yeah, I, exactly. Like these agreements are not these agreements are not alliances, right? And that that's that seems to be how the this the unions are the union officials are are talking about this as an alliance. When that's not that's not the case whatsoever, right? And I think you're you're exactly right here. Ed, that it's like the companies are are brutal and ruthless and merciless, right? Like they will at the drop of a dime re renege on that agreement whenever it benefits them, right? Like like they enter that agreement because it uh uh it benefits them to have the union running interference to be lobbying in favor of their interest, right? Uh to be doing things like pulling the plug on this tech inquiry report. I think again, like, like the, the option should not be to either join the union, uh, and work in, in an alliance with the bosses or work from outside the union as a, as some, you know, independent rebel, right? Trying to do antagonism, trying to hold the, the tech to account and stuff. Like, no, the whole purpose of the, of a union is, to bring people together collectively under an institution within an organization to do that kind of antagonism and accountability together, right? Like that's what collective bargaining is, right? Like that's the whole idea here is that we are stronger together. And that doesn't mean together with the bosses. That means together as workers. Um, And I think that this, we've, we've just lost sight of a lot of this, it seems like, in an effort to get any scraps, we've lost sight on the bigger on the bigger picture, right? And I, but I don't think the companies, I don't think capital has lost sight at all, right? Like it again, it's something that I've said before, and and I, I'll say again. That, I mean, I think the the basis of effective politics does, in a lot of way, boil down to. Uh, everything for my friends and nothing for my enemies, right? And you, and you start losing effectiveness when you start trying to take a little from your friends and give a little to your enemies. The 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 ethics of politics is uh, doing the work of defining friends and enemies, but the uh, efficacy 
of politics is uh, following that line of everything for my friends, nothing for my enemies. And I think we see a lot of people in the on, in, in the center left. Uh, in particular, making the constant mistake of trying to take a little from your friends and give a little to your enemies. And that never is a way to gain or hold or sustain power, um, to exercise power once it is uh, acquired. Um, That is just never an effective way to do so. We've been talking a lot about the union as well, but one of the other bright lines here that that Tech Inquiry crossed, um, which caused uh, the the FES, the nonprofit arm of the um, SPD, uh, right, the Social Democratic Party uh, in Germany, to pull out um, their funding, was uh, Tech Inquiry's um, investigation into the con- into the contracts between um, big tech and Israel, right? And so Israel was once again a, 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 a kind of bright line here um, that caused FES to pull out. Uh, and look, if you know, we talk about the kind of the nuances of critiquing a union and not being anti-union and so on, right? This is exactly the same kind of manufactured controversy that happens with critiques of Israel, right? To um, People on the left are well acquainted now with the ability to critique Israel without being anti-Semitic, right? Like, like that is uh, fundamentally a category error to equate and conflate uh, critiques of Israel with anti-Semitism. Uh, and we know that's the case you know, that is a right-wing talking point. Uh, and, and I think we must do something very similar here to, you know, critique the actions of a particular union is not the same thing as being anti-union. That is, that is also a, a conflation and an equivocation that is um, fallacious. I think, you know, we, it goes without saying that it's also very absurd that wasn't just criticisms of Microsoft that caused uh, the tech inquiries funders to um, pull this report or try to censor it in some way. Um, but also the fact that it was about revealing these relationships like Project Nimbus um, with the Israeli Defense Force and the Israeli uh, Ministry of Defense. Um, that is also really, really quite absurd that uh, groups, on, groups on the left, uh, you know, we're not talking about right-wing groups here, right? Like this, fun, this thing was not funded by the uh, American Enterprise uh, you know, Institute or whatever. Uh, you know, we're talking about groups on the left um, getting really uh, nervous uh, and pulling the plug because uh, the report was talking about Israel. I mean, that's that's really quite absurd. And I, I've always had, you know, SPD uh, has always been sus to me anyways, the Social Democratic Party of Germany, uh, in part because of their uh, compl- <laughs> their complicit, uh, complicit uh, stance with the, the murder of uh, Rosa Luxemburg and Karl Liebknecht uh, 100 years ago, <laughs> right? Like, you know, yes. SPD was complicit with <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, oh my God, I didn't and, even think about this. <laughs> uh, you know, I already get a little uh, red you know, alarm bell going off when I see SPD, even though that was a hundred years ago, they have, they have not um, disowned that action. They have instead doubled down on it. Right. So for people who don't know, right, like the revolutionary socialist co-founders of the German communist party, uh, you know, Luxembourg and Liebknecht uh, were, you know, murdered a hundred years ago by the Freikorps soldiers who were in close contact with um, an SPD minister. And just, just recently, the the leader of the the current leader of the SPD and and the president uh, uh, long you know was president of the German Parliament until recently um, said that uh, they would do it again. They did not apologize, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so. I'm sorry. That's funny. I'm that's <laughs> that's an insane. That is that is an insane. I know. Dude, that's I such know. an unforced thing. You, it doesn't even matter if you don't if you don't agree or disagree with our politics. It would be such an easy thing to say. Oh, yeah, we probably should have murdered someone. Yeah, it's a <laughs> years ago. You know, like it happened. But no, uh, Wolfgang, Wolfgang. I, I would do it again. <laughs> yeah, Wolfgang Tears, who's the the former president of federal parliament, leader of the SPD, was recently asked um, whether the Social Democrats bore a portion of the blame 
team for the uh, January 1919 uh, murder of, of Luxembourg and Liebknecht. And Tierce answered, quote, there were radicalized elements among the workers. They had to be defeated by force of arms. It remains a painful episode, also in retrospect, but we know that the path that was then taken was the better one. In other was words, it? we would do was it again. It? Was it? Was murder? Oh my god, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, uh, SPD's already sus to me. Oh my god. And in, in German, that's called a Verdoppeln, I think. Don't uh, don't skewer me, any German <laughs> listeners. But that uh, in in German, I've heard it and watching soccer when they doubled down, they called it a Verdoppeln. Verdoppeln. <laughs> um, and so, in other words, uh, SPD would murder us, Ed, uh, and Jeremy, oh if, if, they, uh, if they had the chance, um, because we are radicalized elements. In, in, well, hey, in listen, I mean, I respect it. As a capitalist, he understands. If Germany had had their revolution, then, you know, we'd have a very different world. Um, but uh, it helped, you know, killing. Turns out if you kill a bunch of radicals and workers... You can stop a revolution that might have transformed <laughs> that might have transformed uh, the course of history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That also, I think, explains a l- maybe a little bit about why uh, the FES, the nonprofit arm of SPD, which was controlling, funding, and, and overseeing um, tech inquiries investigation, might have got a little trepidatious about. Uh, um, Something that seemed maybe a little bit too radical, yeah. uh, a little, you know. <laughs> wow! First you're gonna you're gonna do this report, and then you're gonna organize the workers, and then they're gonna have a moral critique. What's next, huh? <laughs> What's next? Sounds sounds a little bit sounds a little bit like socialism to me. Is what you want? Yeah, we don't want socialism. We want social democracy yes <laughs> those things are not the same <laughs> right we are, yeah it's in the name you're right i'm an idiot you know it's, they are social democrats yeah i've got the fry core on speed dial <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it's it, what what a fucking uh, a brouhaha um, that happened last month while we were in Vegas and doing our thing. And and it, I knew it was something we needed to talk about. Um, and you know, lend our support to Tech Inquiry and Jack as well. They do ex- excellent work. And uh, I, I you know I think censorship is a little bit uh, of a, a, a of an exaggeration of what's happening here. The fact of the matter is, is that there was uh, a lot of, um, you know, the, the funders of this tech inquiry report were, I think, in the wrong in, in the way that they behaved in the way that they acted. And that's for, despite the fact that they are, uh, uh, you know, unions and, uh, you know, a center left party, political party. And, and so, a very unfortunate kind of thing here, but I think also a, uh, an event that perhaps revealed some other uh, interest and relationships that are at play. But, you know, it's a learning moment. It's a, lear- it's a chance to learn. That's exactly right. Maybe a contentious episode for some of our listeners. Maybe not. I think people will understand. I think we've argued our case here. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Uh, I, I, I think I think that constitutes an episode of This Machine Kills. We had some other stuff to get to, but yeah, we, we, <laughs> we went off on this. I got, I got, I got, we got riled up. We got riled up. <laughs> but the other one will also be good and kind of related. We'll be talking about... Uh, journalism uh, as it relates to AI, artificial intelligence, uh, the types of flaws that happen, as well as the ways in which talking points are censored and laundered, you know, so it'd be connected, mm-hmm. but probably any, another, both, a, both a more general approach, but also, you know, some specific examples as we, you know, do one of our favorite things, which is dunking shit on uh, bad thoughts. 
That's right. That's right. The uh, yeah, this is our this is our our series this week on how um uh in, you know in interest or influence laundering rather mm-hmm. right so you know we we talked about how the how Microsoft interest and influence are being laundered through CWA um and yeah as I just said in the in the premium episode we got a lot to talk about in terms of how um the uh the interest and influence of big tech companies uh especially around AI uh and uh large language models things like GPT-3 and so on how their interests and influence are laundered through the media and through uh really bad journalism um and so we've got a whole list of uh of 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 tropes and fallacies and issues and so on that are just rampant throughout the way in which uh, the media continually covers AI, talking about it as this uh, magical thing, um, talking about it in these rapturous tones. A hint or, or, or a teaser for that, uh, for that episode, you know, the, the, uh, a rule of thumb here, the more overwrought the metaphors, the more underbaked the thinking about AI. I think that's a rule of thumb that we will, uh, uh, see to be true more and over and over again. So, uh, find us, find that episode, find us, find a whole backlog of other episodes and more to come. On patreon.com slash this machine kills. Uh, subscribe there and we will see you in the premium feed later. later. later.